Welcome third year students. Uh, so this is the podcast to recap what was covered in class on the 29th of June and I'm going to recap the theories that we covered. For those who weren't in class this will give you a start on thinking about what those theories are about and how we can move forward with uh, thinking about crime and violence in South Africa. Now we did cover the four media theories as well as uh, the idea of random uh, random violence in class and we um, spoke a little bit about gender-based violence. What I'm going to do is only in uh, only talk about the media theories in this podcast because uh, I think that it is helpful to thematically sort of organize the podcast that this is the one on media and the next one will be um, on gender-based violence. So that will be how we will do that. We will look at the, the theories for today and uh, the media theories for today and then um, I'll talk a little bit about um, the way that the course is going forward. So we looked at, at four media theories, the four media theories that we looked at were news values, simplification, conservative ideology and political diversion. These theories come at a point in our thinking about crime and violence when we've already thought about what are the causes of crime or violence as well as how the, these things develop through the life uh, course and in particular um, through childhood development. And so now we're focusing more specifically on what is happening within the media in the ways that crime and violence is being represented and the potential ways in which the media is reinforcing or shaping how we think about crime or violence. So the first of these four media theories is called news values. And this is really the idea of how uh, some stories get chosen to be included in, in uh, media spaces or not. So whether a story makes it to the front page, whether it makes it to the middle of the paper, or whether it doesn't ever get recorded at all. Um, similarly, in terms of news on TV or radio or on social media or anywhere, um, these are the criteria that are used to decide what counts as something that is newsworthy. Um, and there are a number of, of factors that fall under news values, things like impact, timeliness, prominence, proximity, bizarreness, conflict, and currency. And these are all specific parts of news values that uh, shape that decision-making process. So, for example, if a, a story is especially timely or current, that it um, happened recently or is connected to other events that are happening in the world, that we may want to select that event. Whether it has some kind of impact or whether it is unusual or bizarre, whether it uh, speaks to uh, conflict, it's, uh, those are sort of things that speak to the sensational elements of what we're looking at and this uh, then, then itself speaks to 
the idea that if it bleeds, it leads. So there's this focus on extreme cases um, in that sense. Now, the kinds of stories that we're not then going to see are stories about another sunny day in the neighborhood. Um, we're not going to see your your everyday peaceful encounters. You're not going to get happy news. And there has certainly been some people who want to promote happy news more often. Um, but that tends not to be how uh, media currently um, understands itself and its role in society. And so we get a lot of focus on conflict, a lot of focus on violence as being uh, what primarily makes the headlines. Okay, so those are news values. Those are, those are simply the factors that decide if and how a story is chosen to be included in uh, the media. The next theory that we look at is simplification, and it is as straightforward as the name suggests. It's about how ideas within the stories that are being told are being oversimplified. And this could be about a number of different features of story writing or storytelling. And they would include things like uh, simplification of race elements, of class elements, of gender elements, of, um, of who was where, when. All of those things can be simplified. But in relation to crime and violence, the one that I have focused on is the idea of an innocent victim and an evil perpetrator. And this is uh, very evident in the um, examples that I gave in the Not For Marks assessment where we looked at one reading that was about farm murders and in that reading the farmer was wholly innocent and um, the perpetrators were wholly evil. And in the other reading we looked at uh, students and the fees must fall uh, uh, well, it wasn't even Fismas 4, but just the, um, the the student protests that you gathered in earlier this year. And again, the students are, are, are presented as um, wholly uh, problematic, wholly violent, and the police and the security are presented as these innocent um, protectors of of education and all things good and well in the world. So those kinds of representations don't always come out in the actual words that are used. So nobody will say students are evil or students um, are bad, um, but they will suggest that through the ways that they write uh, the articles. And so this idea of simplification is an embedded idea of how different parts of, of the media are being represented. The third theory that I want to cover today is conservative ideology. And to understand it, you need to understand what ideology is. So ideology is quite broadly, and you may want to, to look this up and get more specific details, but quite broadly, ideology is the ideas that um, shape the world that we live in. So they are, um, they include things like westernization, globalization, capitalism, patriarchy, 
These are all big uh, sets of ideas that form systems of meaning and understanding of how the world works. So they are embedded in institutions, they are embedded in our legal system, they are embedded in um, just our day-to-day -day, um, activities and encounters with each other. All of these kinds of ideas um, are uh, intersecting ideologies about how the world works. So a conservative ideology or a conservative set of ideas about how the world works is often used in the media. And this is a conservative ideology in, in that it focuses on uh, order, law and order. And so, it, well, in relation to violence, it focuses on law and order. And so this is best understood in my, my view of when I was watching the George Floyd uh, riots. So after George Floyd was killed, there was a number of riots, including looting. And the media's immediate response was to say, you know, we need to, to maybe change, uh, you know, racism and, and white supremacy, but, um, and even uh, police violence, but we can't do that through looting. And, um, and it's just a couple of bad cops. It's not the whole, the whole uh, force that's at fault. And, you know, it's not helpful to completely disband the police. And, those arguments, those kinds of, of views on, on violence particularly, are ideas of conservative ideology. It's the idea that uh, we must protect the status quo, that, that we can look at bad people but not at bad systems, and that, that instead we need to um, work within the law, we need to uh, maintain social order, and that uh, any kind of violence is negative, even when it's in service of social change and social, social justice. Um, and in, in that sense, they focus primarily on uh, the, the individuals themselves rather than the, the social structures. So um, in my notes, I've written, Victims are contextualized and in society, perpetrators are decontextualized and outside of society. And this is, sometimes you will see this um, when you see things like uh, different kinds of groups being recorded as, as having um, gone on school shootings or terror attacks that uh, the victims are are often seen as being innocent, as we saw with simplification, but also that they are these wonderful husbands and family people, whereas the perpetrators are just lone gunmen and they, they're acting by themselves. And this is particularly true when the perpetrators are white, that they, they themselves are, are not... A reflection of the bigger picture. So think about those moments when uh, these kinds of things maybe also break and fall away because certainly uh, if the perpetrator, uh, well, is, yeah, if the perpetrator is white, they will sometimes uh, explain this as being. Uh, you know, somebody who wouldn't otherwise 
uh, hurt anybody and look at his, his history of abuse, but they won't give that same credit to other kinds of race groups. Okay, I'm going to move on from that because I think you get the point that um, that a conservative ideology is looking to uh, hold up the status quo by the work that it's doing. That it's it's making making it that the bigger social issues are never actually addressed. The last point I want to make is about, uh, well, the last theory I want to cover is on political diversion. And political diversion is uh, quite simply a follow-on from conservative ideology in that this focus on individuals rather than the, the bigger social problems uh, distracts us from those, those bigger issues and doesn't allow us to fix those bigger issues. So when we think of, of perpetrators uh, only as individuals with no histories and with no um, connections to anybody else and no other um, kinds of uh, structures that are shaping who they are, then we, we lose the ability to look at the causes of social problems. Um, and particularly with violence. So um, if, if we were to look at somebody outside of their, their geography, outside of their history, outside of the, the economics of, of, of their lives, we only can then say that this is about bad or mad people and, and never say they made choices within a broken system. And we need to, we need to certainly hold them accountable for the choices that they made, but we also need to fix that broken system. Okay, so those are the four four ideas, and those led me into then talking about random violence, because the idea of random violence that comes up often in relation to what we're seeing in uh, media representations is a feature that comes out of all of those four media theories. And, and it suggests that there is such a thing as violence that has no, no logic to it, that it comes out of nowhere, that it's completely random and senseless, that it springs up uh, into the air out of nothing. And the issue with that is, is that we then can't... Uh, look for it, we can't plan for it, it's, it's a complete surprise to us. But moreover, it, um, it then becomes something that we fear because if you can't plan for it, you can't know when it's coming or where it's coming. And so there's this increased uh, fear and anxiety around what kinds of violence are going to uh, happen in society it leads to intergroup conflict or continued intergroup conflict as people start to try to place the blame somewhere. And it leads to action that doesn't effectively address the cause of violence. So, for example, in South Africa, the fear of random violence leads people to... Um, build high walls and to have large security systems to protect themselves. And these things may make them feel less afraid. But as we know from the statistics, most violent crime doesn't happen from the outside. It happens from the inside. It happens within homes. It happens within communities. 
it's not random or senseless um, and even when it when it seem it seemingly is random or senseless it has a very big history and context against which it is happening so um the history of violence in south africa the economics of and the socioeconomic conditions that we're facing are leading to the kinds of violence that we see and those walls don't address those issues so the the the, the high walls don't fix the the poverty and inequality and and uh long-term generational violence that we've seen in society and because that the resources of our country are, are spent on high walls rather than trying to redress those the actual real causes of violence it's like a a band-aid over a, over a gunshot wound it doesn't actually work um so random violence is an is an idea that again may maybe specifically be spoken about in the media that people talk about things as as being random but is not uh, is also included in the ways that we talk about issues even if we don't use the term that we sort of talk about about violence as being senseless as being um uh completely about these innocent uh people being targeted and th- that way of talking about violence suggests that there isn't a clear logical cause to violence and in fact there there is a clear logical cause to violence if you look in the right places and the right places are not with individuals or um yeah or with the the choices that people are making because that we already have a legal system to address but it's with the bigger social structures um and ideologies to go back to that term that define how we think about how the world works and certainly the practices at that macro level in relation to things like our economics in relation to employment in relation to racial dynamics in relation to gender dynamics all of those kinds of things that that um are both individual and collective need to be understood that they are about our very very close relationships with with other people but they are shaped by and understood within a, a much bigger framework of how the world works so I'll I'll use a gender based violence example just because I think it's helpful. So our relationships with our romantic partners is very personal and it may be that our romantic partner is unemployed and they are stressed about that and they may even become violent as a result of feeling emasculated um if if the partner is a male um as a result of that unemployment and that is a very personal issue within the home but that personal issue within the home is shaped by um a global economy that uh privileges some nations over over others it's in relation to local 
uh, economies, local governance. It's in relation to history and the organization of work within the South African context. It's in relation to, and this is the one that we're going to continue to talk most about in terms of gender-based uh, violence theories, it's in relation to ideas of good, what, what is a good man and what is a good woman. Uh, so all of those things come together so that that very personal experience is also a collective experience. It's one that is shaped by what exists in the world around us. So those are the, the theories that I'm going to stop with today. We then uh, went on to watch uh, a movie. It's a well, by a documentary called Law and, Order, uh, Law and Disorder in Johannesburg, which links quite nicely to this idea of random violence. And it focused on security companies, private security companies, and the work that they are doing within Johannesburg to try and um, protect property uh, and to uh, protect individuals, presumably from uh, crime and violence, but while at the same time working beyond the law and committing many different kinds of violence themselves, and thereby creating a cycle of violence within that space in which one can't quite imagine a way out of it. And we're going to talk in class next week about that movie, so there is a chance to engage with the issues that were raised in that. But for me, the issue is, is that um, that greater policing, greater funding of policing, greater access to social resources like housing and employment, that those are going to be the things that are going to make the difference in that space. Um, and it's not going to be more and more guns. So, like I say, we're going to keep talking about that. If you have any questions about anything I've covered today, or if you want to engage with me about the course, um, please send me an email. I have now sent out the first essay. So the first essay has been released. The deadline is the 20th of July. So you should already be working on that. If you are reading the essay outline and it doesn't make sense to you, please do message me so that I can uh, get a hold of you or um, reply to you to let you know um, what is expected. But I ultimately, what that assignment is asking you to do is to compare the ways that an event of crime or violence in South Africa has been reported. And it's the has been reported that is key there. The event itself, the, the issue that you choose to address in your um, assignment, is less important. So I don't want to know how many people were killed, when it happened, uh, who was involved, uh, any of that kind of stuff. That, that for me, you can introduce your topic, but um, the bulk of your assignment is going to be, okay, I now have a variety of, of uh, different articles on the same topic, some from mainstream media, some from investigative reporting, and some from social media, and I'm going to see whether they talk about this issue differently. 
and link that to both the theories and the movies that we've watched. So that's what you're doing. It's that comparing work of how it's been reported, not what has been said that is important. So do focus on that um, in, the, in the essay, in particular in relation to the theories that we've covered. It's, it's crucial that I've, I've spoken to you a lot about the theories. I've uh, organized the course in relation to the different theories. So that should give you a hint that the theories are going to be the most important part of that essay. Okay, I wish you well, um, and I will see you in class soon. Cheers.